a Christmas lexicon. Definitions, courtesy, Oxford, Google. I'm not putting myself on the same par as either of those two entities when I say that. It's kind of like, how was the dictionary created? Daniel Webster would walk down in the morning. His wife would say, now what's that supposed to mean? (laughs) You only get it if you're married. Advent. Remember the second Advent too, right? We added that last week. Critical to understand. Hope is context, right? From the time that hope is mentioned in Isaiah chapter 7, it's 700 plus years of waiting before hope is realized. Hope is context. Hopefully you experienced peace this last week, even if your last week was chaotic. You experienced the activity of God in your life. Important distinctive, okay? The personal nature of a holy God in the Christian worldview. You can't miss it. It's a distinctive. God comes close. God wants to be close. The screenplay can start any number of places, but let's go to 886, John 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, capital W, Word, second person of the Trinity, the Son, Jesus, when he's the second person of the Trinity is incarnated. Those are interchangeable, right? Capital W, same as second person of the Trinity, same as the Son, Son is incarnated, Jesus, all interchangeable. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Verse 14, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen his glory. Glory as of of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Flipping one page to 316, where it says, For God so the world that he gave his only, that whoever should not perish, but have eternal life. And then we kind of flip forward a little bit because this isn't some sort of happy accident, right? First Peter tells us that Jesus, First Peter 1, verse 20, page 1014, he was foreknown, Jesus was known before the foundation of the world. And then we come to our text today, which is 1 John 4, 9, We'll read it in context in a little bit, but the reality of in this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. Long before the earth was cooling, okay, God was, okay? That is 1 John, John chapter 1, verse 1. And before the first Lego blocks were assembled, earth is cooled, we have Lego blocks, okay? For the first Lego blocks were assembled, the second person of the Trinity, the Word, the Son, was known. 
This isn't a happy accident, okay? This isn't a case of God being surprised by something that's going to happen down the road. This is intentionality. The Advent story isn't a last resort. It's part of the original intellectual property. The son was known. And the rest? The rest is simply an act of love coming from the deepest place in the universe. God. And I know, there, there are these familiar questions, right? Okay, that, that, that often we will, we will have inside of us, and sometimes we're reluctant to bring them up, but people who don't know Christ aren't reluctant to bring them up at all, right? Questions about God and love and the state of the world. People that could say, okay, I, I get a creator, God, Okay, but the state of the world doesn't seem. And we've talked about this, right? But one more time, with great gentleness and great respect, but with profound meaning. Sin enters the world when evil enters the human experience. We like to think it's just eating a piece of papaya, and it's really not that big of a deal. But eating that piece of papaya was, was bigger than a nuclear explosion. It was bigger than any catastrophic event you could possibly wrap your brain around. It sent ripples going forward into time and for all ages until the second advent of Christ. When evil enters the human experience, it's absolutely catastrophic. I, I think sometimes we miss this. We, we miss the uncontrolled nuclear explosion that eating the first piece of papaya was. Although you can look at the world and see the damage. I think we absentmindedly forget how devastating sin and evil have always been. And you might question, I at times question, why would God create humans with this kind of capacity? The capacity to choose good or evil. Fair enough. Subject matter for a different day. But please, but please, I, I, I beg of you, don't underestimate God's capacity to love. And work hard to have intellectual property in play before the nuclear explosion goes off to bring order to the chaos that will result because two people took a chunk of papaya. God's capacity to love and to work hard to bring order to the chaos created by human choice. And I understand, I understand that, that this script is a review for many. But one of my favorite things to do is to listen to songs that I already know. To watch movies that I can recite most of the lines, especially at this time of the year. To watch a favorite film that's been there for like 20 years. Like, I've already watched it three times this year so far. The screenplay revolves around this idea of God loving. The next, before the action starts, it's quiet on the set, right? There's some presupposition that work has been done. 
A script has been created, check. I, I, I want to think, okay, in my little brain that, that, that not everything was like in concrete, like big things were really in concrete, like Jesus, but there's some improvision, right? And so that's why a person like me exists. God's like, okay, sure, fine, do what you want to do. But a script nonetheless, and a really important and controlling idea that is behind the script. In fact, if you don't get this, Jesus says it's really hard to get anything else. Again, what Jesus says, pointing people to Jesus, the authority in our lives. On a Wall Street, uh, weekly basis, the Wall Street Journal publishes this uh, column called My Ride, and it's written by A.J. Bain, okay? And basically what he features is, is, is a car of the week, so to speak. And um, it's different than Dan Neal's column, which is super, super intriguing. If you've never read Dan Neal, he's like, he, like his vocabulary is absolutely beautiful and ironic, and he evaluates new things, and he's a big whatever. Bames is a little bit different. It's, it's the classic tale, okay? It's the love that people have for their vehicles. So this last week, he featured Nathan's 1989 BMW 633. Uh, two weeks ago, he featured Norm's 67 Corvette, in which Norm has restored it, okay? And also Norm's 2023 Corvette. Norm's in a different category, Three weeks ago, he featured Tina's 1966 Caprice Lowrider, which she's won awards for, has painstakingly restored herself. Then it was Daphne's 65 Mustang Convertible. It was Tim's 1970 Triumph GT6 Plus. A GT40 replica is owned by Amelia. And Joji has the Batmobile that was created by her father, a gentleman by the name of George Barris. Some are costly, very, very costly. All are about a connection to early memories and experiences. They have all been lovingly cared for. Some have been restored. Some are original. But all loved. The writer, Bain himself, embodies the vibe. His ride is a 2003 Subaru Outback with 105,000 miles named Doogie that he and his wife, Michelle, purchased when they were newly married. The love affair that the United States of America has with its cars. Maybe that's what you love, right? What do you love? Cars, homes, properties? Before the action starts, Jesus anchors the reality of the world in two or three of the most important existential realities. I say two or three, because one is to love God. The second, you could argue, is love neighbor as self, or you could say the second and third is love neighbor, love self. Now, it's within the context of a love of God, right? You can find the verses in all of the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Super easy to memorize. Super easy to memorize. Love God. Love neighbor as self. It's a controlling idea. Jesus says if you don't get that, it's really tough to get anything else. Now, I know memorization doesn't mean that we'll embody it, but if we don't know that it exists, it's really hard to embody it. So just try it. Willing to memorize something with me? Love God. Love God. It's easier than you think it is. 
Like I repeat the word, okay, and then you repeat the word. And it's not my words, it's Jesus' words, okay? So like I'm repeating what Jesus said, so love God, and then you repeat what I said, which is what Jesus said. So you could, in essence, take me out of the equation and say you're repeating what Jesus said. So let's try it again. Love God. See how easy that is? You memorize scripture. That's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Second phrase, love neighbor as self. Four words. Champions. Screen plays in place, quiet on the set, action. Page 1023. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. Knowing is not enough. Even memorizing is not enough. And while the doing may not save you, I'm not saved by my works. Not doing doesn't do any good. But in fact, it might be even stronger than that. Because truly, our behavior, our individual choices made on a daily basis demonstrate the things that we love. They demonstrate the things that are important to us. The time that we spend, the effort that we make, the things that we collect. Our behavior demonstrates the things or things that are important to us, the things that we love. And that makes sense, doesn't it? It's also very compelling, both for good, because when we act with God, we really enhance the reputation of God. There is no stronger argument for the cause of Christ than when we act as Christ taught us to act. There is no more compelling thing. There is no more thing that makes the world step back and go, wow, did you see that? And maybe the world is just your next door neighbor, okay? Maybe the world, maybe, maybe a, an act of love never gets publicized. But, but your neighbor is the recipient of your love, your action, my behavior. And they ask the question, what's different about that individual? And whether or not you ever have a conversation with them, you are for good. I am for good, enhancing the reputation of God when I choose to love. When I simply follow what John is arguing for in 1 John 4. And likewise... 
flip side of the coin. When we don't act with love, we make it super easy for people to be critical of Jesus. Super easy. And, and sometimes, sometimes you can have like 50 acts of love that are beautiful <laughs> and you're building a case for Christ and for good or for bad, for right or for wrong, one act of non-love and it nukes the whole thing. Yep, that's the problem of evil. That, that's what evil does, right? That's why it's so important. That's why our behavior matters so much. And while I'd be the first to say we are not saved, we are not made right because of good behavior, we're made right because of God's work in our lives, the work of Christ, but that's the Easter story. On a daily basis, you and I have a lot to do with how the world views a God that wants to come close that wants to love. A couple things out of this. One, that should encourage our behavior. That should encourage my mindset. How do I respond with love in a given situation? Even with family who are up for the holidays, who want to engage in discussions of a current event's nature. How do I respond with love? How, how do I not fight? Even when someone punches me in the face, how, how do I step back? How do I engage? What is the mindset of love? And, and for me, sometimes, if I know that I'm going into a dicey situation, like any day of the week, I need to start with a mindset of, okay, what does it mean to love? So this should encourage our behavior. But a second thing that comes out of this, if you've witnessed bad behavior from a person who says they're a follower of Jesus Christ, if you've experienced bad behavior from a person who identifies themselves as a follower of Jesus Christ, please, please, don't let that dissuade you from experiencing the love that God has for you. I, I, at times in my life, have nuked the reputation of Jesus Christ. That does not mean that Jesus Christ is nuked. Please, give the cause of Christ a chance in your life. Because the outcome of this relationship with this God of love is love. The proof that we've had an authentic encounter with this God of love is our love. That we anchor our behavior in the character of God. Loving what Jesus invites us to love. Loving what Jesus loves. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves the church. Jesus loves the world. He gave his life for the world. 
Love is the total commitment to the betterment of another. But as I think about this concept of love, I, I, I think there's something richer that's going on and something that is also simpler that is going on. If you get the Thursday letters, you know that frequently the prayer is, is a prayer that I call a prayer of resignation, okay? And, and I don't mean it in a bad sense. I just mean it in a sense of, the prayer is often a prayer related to, God, I can't do this on my own. I'm going to need you to do this in me, whatever the topic may be. If you don't get the Thursday letters and you want to get the Thursday letters, let me know. We'll put you on the email distribution list. So I think this pursuit of love the total commitment to the betterment of another. You can show that you love your spouse by being totally committed to their betterment. You can show you love your kids. You can show you love Christ by bettering Christ's reputation in the world. But I think there is a richer, simpler question, a question that takes all of the effort we might be willing to do or that we might be afraid to do? Or that we might be just flat out unwilling to do, right? Yeah, no, I'm not going to love you. you know, I'm just like not willing to love you. Just, it's okay, right? We can be honest. We're grown-ups. But the simpler, richer question, will we let God love us? Because that's where it starts. The discussion doesn't start with your love for someone else. The discussion doesn't start with my ability to love you, your ability to receive that, your ability to love me, my ability to receive that. No, no, the question is much simpler but much richer. Will we let God love us? Will we let something supernatural enabled by the Spirit to come into our lives? Will we let the Spirit testify to the reality of what the Son was willing to do for us? Will we let God love us? So, in the remaining couple minutes we have left, if you do me a favor, just sit down, put your palms open, in a posture of receiving. And maybe if you're willing to take a chance, you would say, Father, I open myself to the love that you have for me. It's a prayer that will work every day this week.
It's a prayer that will work every day for the rest of your life. It's a prayer for a day when you know it's going to be hard. It's a prayer for a day when you know it's going to be delightful. Father, thank you for this time. We are grateful to be in this space. Do in us what we are unable to do for ourselves. And out of the love that you pour into our lives, find us willing to love others. In Jesus' name. Amen.